0: I'm Brandon Briscoe and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week when we come together, we're hoping that our conversations related to theology and to ministry leadership and to church history and all these types of things, we hope that they're an encouragement to you and that they're faith building. That's what we really want. Uh, That's the objective of the show, and it's the objective of the Living Faith Bible Institute. We want to encourage people uh, to understand where they're at spiritually and be determined to grow, be intentional about their growth. And so uh, in the Foundations Two class here at the Bible Institute, we talk about the concept, the biblical concept of the seven stages of spiritual growth. Uh, A critical idea that helps set a foundation for us in terms of how to move forward and our understanding of God's word, but also where we fit within his mission. How do we apply it? How do we live out what he's asked us to live out? Uh, And so with that, we are going to talk about the seven stages of spiritual growth uh, today on this episode. And for that conversation, I've invited a dear friend of mine in the Living Faith Fellowship, Pastor Jay Shug of Community Fellowship Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama, where he has a, a thriving discipleship ministry, and he has a church that lives and believes in these seven, seven stages of spiritual growth. And so, with that, I want to invite and welcome Pastor Jay Shug to the show. Welcome to the Postscript.
1: I appreciate it, Brandon. It's great to be here.
0: Man, dude, I, I'm I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our friendship. We haven't known each other very long, but man, yeah. uh, the the time that we've spent together has always been rich, and I'm I'm thankful for yeah. you, man.
1: Yeah. You, same same here man it's it's great to have the fellowship and uh, it's a great honor to be here
0: well uh, you have a really good story that I think is different it's unique I want you to share a little bit with us about how you came to know Jesus but then how you found yourself in the pastorate as well
1: again I appreciate the opportunity so uh, just course. a quick quick personal testimony um, you know growing up we didn't we didn't grow as a family uh, go to church regular really. Um, when I was a junior in high school, uh, my dad was military, and so we moved from South Alabama to North Alabama. And uh, that was a pretty traumatic uh, experience. I'd been in the same small school, same community for you know my entire life, just small-town Alabama. And so I uh, finished out the last year and a half of high school uh, in North Alabama, and I really connected uh, with the guy that I played basketball with we became really good friends in a very short period of time. And so graduated high school, got into college, and uh, was just trying to figure out life uh, the best you can without Christ. Uh, mm. you, you, you pursue you know academics. And, uh, and so I was trying to major in engineering, uh, wanted to focus in mechanical engineering. After a couple of years, got burnt out uh, with that. And so I was kind of at this crossroads personally, uh, trying to figure out education and, and kind of what to do with my life. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, this, this guy that I connected with uh, in high school went to a different college. We still played sports together and saw each other on a regular basis. But man, he calls me one day, and this, this is the short version, but this was the most awkward conversation I've ever had with a human. <laughs> uh, he calls me on the phone and uh, begins to apologize to me uh, for being a bad example of a Christian. And, uh wow. And this guy had gotten saved in middle school, uh, was a strong believer throughout high school, got backslidden in college, and had rededicated his life to Christ. And so mm. what he was trying to do was make amends with people that he had influence with. And so I was one of the people. He called and, and said, man, I, I just want to, in, in more or less words, apologize for being a bad example of a Christian. And so, man, I really didn't I didn't realize how significant that conversation would become later. Um, and as a lost guy, I was like, Hey man, I'm not your judge, your judge, you know, Right. Uh, we were kind of both doing the same thing in college. And I certainly, you know, man, I just couldn't understand where he was coming from, but God right. used, God used that conversation, uh, to begin to make me realize I had a need in my life. And so he began to pursue me, uh, invite me to church, um, you know, invite me to activities. And I would, man, I'd blow him off. I, I would find mm-hmm. reasons not to respond because I knew, hey, this guy's trying to make me religious. And, uh, right. and so long story short, man, he, he finally hooked me into an activity and, and the college group at the church he was going to had a, you know, a small college career activity. So I went to that uh, and it was okay. I got to meet some people. That night on the drive home, he began asking the questions that I couldn't answer. And 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 specifically, hey Jay, if you if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? And just personally, I believed at that point in my life, I was 21 years old. I believed that God was real. Uh, I even would say that I believed in a literal heaven and a literal hell. I would say that I even believed the story of Christ was historically true. And so mm-hmm. I had a, a maybe an academic understanding of the history of christ and i believed in the the story of the resurrection Mm
0: -hmm. the
1: the missing piece for me was how that related to me personally right and so you know he he began asking these questions and and i just couldn't answer honestly i was like well i would like to think i'd go to heaven i can't give you any reason why i have assurance of that and so he asked permission to take his bible and uh, show me what christ had done for me and uh, walked me through the book of you know Romans, Romans Road, as we call it, uh, mm-hmm. and the the significance of this conversation was it came three days after I turned twenty one, and so I was really at the proverbial it's
0: inconvenient.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, and so you know it was it was God's timing for sure. Um, I, my my life at that point was really kind of hitting that crossroad, and uh, mm-hmm. man, he took the the word of God, he showed me the gospel very clearly he helped me recognize my sin personally, according to the word of God. Uh, And for me, that was the missing piece that that Christ died for our sin, but but specifically that means I'm a sinner. And -hmm. and I had to come to that realization that, okay, because of my sin, I'm guilty before God, uh, and I need forgiveness for my sin personally. And so that was July 11th, 1997. Uh, man, I, I asked Christ to save me from my sin in his parents' living room, and wow, uh, praise God. and that began this whole new journey uh, and walk in my personal life. Uh, he was going to Decatur Baptist Church at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so of course, you know he led me to Christ and was like, uh, "You need to come to church with me and so right. man, I, I submitted to that and said, yeah let me let me do that and started going to church with him. And he did a really good job of making sure I understood that salvation decision uh, biblically. He did a really good job of following up with me, and then he led me to the very next step of baptism. Took the Bible, taught me personally what baptism was scripturally, uh, mm-hmm. and then gave me the opportunity to submit to that uh, as part of the church. Uh, you know, educator Baptist, and so it was. It was you know maybe six weeks later, eight weeks later, I got baptized. Um, and then after that, someone in the church approached me about discipleship and man, I had no clue what that meant. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I had, I had absolutely no basis, but basically the gentleman that, that approached me said, well, look, I want to help you grow in your personal walk with Christ. I want to, I want to teach you what it means to walk with Jesus Christ as a disciple of Christ. Uh, and I needed all the help I could get. Um, Mm -hmm. and. And so I submitted to that and, and took the opportunity, and, and God just absolutely train-wrecked and transformed uh, my life over that next year and a half. And so, That's great. Yeah, it, it, it's just, man, God's grace is sufficient, and uh, He's been really good to me. And so I got connected at DBC. Uh, when I tell my story, it's like, man, I got saved. I got baptized. I got discipled. Uh, I began discipling other guys after I completed that. Uh, I got involved in our discipleship two process, and so everything was kind of laid out for me in order. And, uh,
0: man, and you just, I just kept saying yes each, with each step. You just yeah, said yes, and
1: absolutely. And I I didn't know any better, you know. Right. Uh, and right. maybe to a maybe to a fault. I don't know, but I just didn't know. I didn't know that no was an option. <laughs>
0: Well, it's because it's probably not. That's right. It's not actually an option. That's um, right. I mean, you can. You know, we get a free will, but man, if you're going to follow the Lord, there's yeah. a lot of yes saying.
1: And I, so and I, and I knew what I'd been saved from, and man, I was right. so appreciative of God's grace in my life, and uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to follow the Lord no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. So we're going to talk about the seven stages today, and as we do that, I, I think it's probably really easy for you to use your testimony to kind of unfold that. So maybe we can talk about your own growth as well as the growth of other people in your church um, and and walk through that process of each each one of those seven stages, how that impacted your life. But before we do, I want you to maybe just introduce us to uh, your church and, yeah. and tell us uh, about the ministry work and, and where you're at and what it's like, and just give us a brief um you know, understanding of what it is that you do now, yeah. and then we'll kind of talk through the seven stages.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so I, I did end up finish college, uh, finishing college after I accepted Christ. Completely different career change. Uh, majored in physical therapy. Uh, I, I graduated with a physical therapy assistant degree, uh, and so I'm I finished school. I'm involved in discipleship. I'm involved in ministry. Uh, at as a young man single guy man surrendered my life to whatever god would have thinking maybe even a missionary you know Mm. at some point uh we had guys like jeff bartell that were you know out of our home church and on the mission field and so uh those guys were like heroes to to a young christian that Mm -hmm. you know was just trying to figure this thing out and uh so yeah just stayed faithful with the process god gave me opportunities to serve in our college and career ministry uh, began going on mission trips, began taking discipleship uh, to different churches. Our church was was taking uh, discipleship training uh, to different churches that were interested in starting a discipleship ministry. And so mm-hmm. years ago, I was on a team that brought uh, discipleship to Community Fellowship Baptist Church in Huntsville. And mm-hmm. uh, the pastor at the time had heard about discipleship, as many pastors do, and mm-hmm was really interested to integrate that into his church. Right. And so we brought a team over. Uh, man, we did all the things that we normally do. And we gave personal testimony of how powerful it is. And, uh, and then we left and years later, come to find out that pastor uh, ended up leaving this church. And so the church was kind of left with a, a leadership void uh, mm. because discipleship had not been implemented at that point. Right. And so they reached out to the only friends I think that they felt they had, and that was Decatur Baptist. And so mm. um, we sent an interim pastor over. Uh, our, our church leadership sent um, actually James DeCoker's uh, grandfather to come be oh, the interim. Okay. Uh, yeah, James brother. has been on the show. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, his grandfather came as the interim for about a year and a half, and— uh, through a long, long story, uh, man, God opened the door for for, for us to come and actually uh, become pastor of this church uh, through the partnership with Decatur Baptist and, and the ministry, uh, I want to say maybe adoption that happened mm-hmm. uh, through this church. And so, yeah, 10 years ago, uh, God moved us to Huntsville, and uh, we have an amazing church. We got amazing people. God's been really good. and uh, yeah. But man, it's been interesting. <laughs>
0: Well, and because what <laughs> had to happen was, um, as the pastor, you had to make discipleship work because it's what you believed in. It's what you. It's all you knew. Yeah. And so, what we're talking about in terms of the seven stages is, what does a lifetime of discipleship produce? Yeah. Is ultimately what we're going to be talking about today. What is the what is the full vision of what discipleship should look like in the growth of an individual believer, and then how does that ultimately impact the work of a local church, ministry, missions throughout the whole world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was the one thing when we got here. They had had a few discipleship uh, attempts, in other words, mm-hmm. trying to implement the ministry. And so uh, my wife's name's Allie. Uh, so when Allie and I came, uh, the one thing that we said we're not gonna do is have a discipleship conference we're just going to begin making disciples. And uh, mm-hmm. our lo- our local church equipped us how to do that, and, and yeah, we're thankful for that. And so we just began to do that, and we looked for faithful men. Uh, we certainly became evangelistic, but we looked for faithful men that we could invest in and faithful women, and we understood this process of spiritual growth. And so we began to see... Uh, People begin to mature in their relationship with Christ, and then also mature into ministry uh, at this church. and And now, ten years in, man, I still think we're early, but uh, we have an established discipleship ministry. Uh, we've seen people come through this process. We've ordained a pastor last year. Mm. Uh, we have people that are ministry leaders that are, man, scripturally and biblically mature, and uh, and so the the fruit of it and and the understanding of this process is just paramount for, one ministry within your church, but two ministry reproduction so that you can you can send people out missionaries, mm-hmm. pastors, and things like that. So, so yeah, man, it, it's man, we're we're really still trying to figure it out, but it's it's been awesome to see God's faithfulness, and, and He blesses the process. You know, it, it's right. His word.
0: Yeah. And I think that word is important because, uh, you know, like so many times, people get confused. Maybe the contrast is that before you actually were a part of community, uh, that there was a program called discipleship. Yeah. But there wasn't necessarily the process, right? And so what right. we're talking about is the the process as a lifestyle, as a as a conversation that happens within the church. It's integrated into everything. And that's what God's been using you to do. So if yeah. you don't mind, uh, maybe just by way of introduction to the seven stages, um, explain to us what we're about to do, and then we'll start walking through them. We'll start with the first stage.
1: Yeah. So I think I think as we look at the scriptures, what we see uh, through Christ's ministry, I think we see it through uh, Old Testament picture. We see it through Paul and Timothy. What we see is this uh, process of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, uh and, and, of course, we would say that there's seven stages to that. And and whether it's, you know, through the example of a babe to an aged man or woman or whether it's through the lens of these things that we'll talk about today with repentance and illumination, uh, I think it's important for us to know that there is a process. It is biblical. Uh, it is sequential. And mm-hmm. it's it's dependent uh each each stage is dependent upon the other. In other words, there's no way to to go from A to Z. Uh, in my own life, I've experienced that, the desire to get to Z, but, but you have to go mm-hmm. through what God wants for you. Uh, but those things help us grow and mature. And so uh, as we talk about these seven stages, it's important for a believer to understand, man, it's a biblical process. You just can't get around that. It's a biblical process that yeah. God's laid out.
0: And it's a matter of God working out in you uh, your own faith. Yes. Do you have the Do you have the faith and the maturity necessary for the for the next step? Right. And uh, like you said, I mean, I think one of the things that a lot of young people think when they go to seminary is that somehow the process of of education or academia is going to somehow accelerate their advancement in ministry, and that they're going to get promoted quickly into responsibilities and stewardship that they're not necessarily. Mature enough for right. that. There has to be some trying and refining Correct. that goes along with what we're talking about. This is something yeah. that God does in you. It's not something you make happen.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's more. Uh, tra- it's it, it is information, but it, it without the transformation, it's it's useless. It's it's just a puffed up, you know, knowledge-based Christianity. And uh, God God wants to transform our life through each of these stages to understand more about Him and. And to grow in areas that we need to grow and so without it it's yeah you're just mm-hmm. you're just uh you're gonna miss the mark every time
0: <laughs> yeah so let's start with the very first stage and i guess this is going to be a primer because whether you're taking the foundations to class at lfbi or you're getting some form of mtt or d2 in in your own local church context these are things you're gonna you're gonna drill down deep on to get A serious understanding. So our goal today is just to introduce these ideas so that people have a better understanding as a whole.
1: Yeah. So we would say the the first stage is repentance. Uh, Stage one is repentance. Uh, That certainly happens at the moment of salvation. Uh, I would say it's a requirement for salvation. And Mm -hmm. and repentance, I know in my life, again, it wasn't just the information, but it was understanding the gospel, turning from my – realizing I'm a sinner – And then turning from my sin to my Savior, turning to Christ and asking Mm -hmm. asking for forgiveness. And so it's a it's a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Um, I always think of Psalm one nineteen and verse fifty nine. You know, the Bible says that that I I, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. And so uh, there's a there's a literal one hundred and eighty degree turn. We would say that's for sure what happens at salvation. Yeah. But
0: well, and re- I think even too with that, a lot of us want to negate repentance and salvation. If someone can pray a quick prayer uh, and acknowledge uh, a truth claim, they think that they've been saved. But ultimately, there there has to be an understanding that I am no longer my Lord; Christ is my Lord.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is an absolute recognition of who you are and who Christ is, and a hundred eighty degree hundred eighty degree turn toward Him. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and belief in faith and faith in the gospel and the finished work of Christ. Without a doubt, yeah, can't can't get there without repentance, for sure. No, and
0: so obviously that makes it the first stage. But also, with that, there, I think this is an, a critical foundational truth that follows you throughout your entire faith. It it has to become a lifestyle as well. Explain that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think that's the beginning. That's the first uh, exercising of of repentance. But it ought to set the standard uh, for me again. How it shook out in my life someone clearly took the Word of God and explained the gospel. Mm-hmm. But then the, the next opportunity for that was when someone clearly took the Bible and explained the first step of obedience, baptism. Well, mm-hmm. that was an, that was another opportunity to turn my feet to God's testimonies, to, to recognize, here's what God's Word says. Now, will I submit to that? Will I, by faith, believe what God has for my life? And so... Repentance ought to be demonstrated, man, for, for the rest of our life as Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the danger in our churches, the danger in, in any of our lives as Christians is the real danger is the first and last time that we've ever exercised repentance is that salvation. And that's, that's, that's dangerous. And that, and that leads right. to limited growth, right, as a Christian.
0: Well, and I think what it does too is it it basically espouses a, a perspective that no, I've got it, I've got it from here, God. Like, right. there's not anything else that needs to change. I think your baptism example is really good because in order to get baptized, you have to actually repent of pride and right. your unwillingness to stand in front of people and and claim your salvation. Absolutely. W- which is which is you know uh, typical for almost anybody who accepts Christ. It's a it's a hurdle. And there has to be a repenting that takes place in mm-hmm. order to move forward in faith. And that just happens absolutely. over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it was fearful for sure, especially yeah. in a big church. You know, I'd never really been a consistent attender to any church. And so Decatur Baptist back then was big. I mean, for me, for right. a new Christian, it was huge. And so, man, let's get baptized in front of all these people. And it's like, ugh. But right. here's what the Word of God says. And so I, I've got to trust God, trust and obey. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and we're sinners, and so you know, if our friendship with Christ, if our relationship with Christ is going to be right, um, that part of that's contingent on our willingness to go to Him and be like, "Hey, I know you know this already, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I messed up again, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, and uh, and I need to be right with you, and so I'm just gonna, I want to talk to you about it because ultimately I want you to set my feet in the right direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah.
0: So stage one, repentance, uh, man, that, that sets us up for stage two. What's stage two?
1: Uh, stage two is enlightenment and or illumination. And, and really, I think in a disciple's life, uh, I know, again, personal testimony uh, after receiving Christ and and trusting uh, him for salvation, man, God really begins to reveal who Christ is uh, in your life. You're illuminated to the fact that he is God. Uh, it's, it's kind of the time of spiritual growth where it's like, man, you see God in everything. And Mm -hmm. uh, for me, again, being right at a transitional time in college, I was praying about a career change and a field of study change. And and physical therapy at that time was very difficult to get in. And I prayed that God would, man, if it was his will to, you know, and his plan to to let me into that. And uh, man, God opened a door that seemed impossible. He just proved over and over again uh, that he was God. And mm-hmm. for me, that, that helped me to, to really see his power, his grace. It, it built a trust uh, into my life uh, so that, man, years later, well, I don't need those things. I can, I can just trust what he says. But early on, you got you to gotta know uh, that, man, God works that out in your life. And so mm-hmm. that's really where it begins to illuminate that disciple's life uh, to who he is.
0: Right. And one of the things that we do a lot is we parallel these concepts alongside actual physical growth of a human being, right? Yeah. So if repentance represents birth and coming right. into uh, to, to, to a new life, then this stage, I think, probably is best represented by that stage in which a, a one-year-old starts to walk, in a, yeah. and, and between one, two, and three years old, the world just gets really big and exciting and everything you do yeah. is monumental and yeah. and everything brings you joy and everything has deep emotional value in your yes. life. And and I think that that early stages into your toddlerhood are really similar to these stages uh, of the believer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. My wife, my wife also has an amazing testimony of, of that illumination thing. She had just gotten saved out of high school went on a mission trip uh, to Mexico just really a short period of time after she had gotten saved uh, and in her heart uh, there was a restaurant that she really wanted to eat at in Mexico mm-hmm. and she didn't verbalize it to anybody you know but in her heart that's where she wanted to go eat lunch or dinner or whatever and uh, so for her as a new Christian of course where did they end up going and eating you know they ate at the restaurant that that she desired in her heart and for her it was just like God's Stamp like, hey, I love you. Uh, I'm taking care of you. I'm proving myself to you. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just a neat testimony. That's I mean, great. Time. Isn't
0: that, that's wonderful, too, because it's funny how God meets us where we're at. I mean, obviously, right. that's kind of an immature prayer, but we, yeah. our lives are full of that stuff. When we right. first start following Christ, yep. there's all these moments where it's like, it's a little superstitious and it's a right. little bit silly. But God meets us where That's we're right. at, and He yeah. speaks to us, and He guides us, despite all those things, because He does want His Word to be so exciting. For for me, when I showed up at the Kansas City Baptist Temple as a teenager, I had been around legalism mm. and and an intense conservative, uh, you know, expectations from the church that I grew up in, and mm. and it was a, you know, pastor is the man; he's the, he's the boss; he knows the Word. You know that's his job, mm. but when I showed up at, at the K, at KCBT, man, the word was suddenly made alive, mm. and and it was that moment of illumination for me mm. where it was like everything tasted good. Yeah, like it was like cake all the time. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Is tod- which is what a toddler, which is what a toddler wants, is like. I felt like I was taking in milk and honey.
1: Yeah,
0: and it was that innocent stage, that that innocence of of life, and where everything seems like a mountaintop experience, yep. man, That's but that's a precious point to be at, at in terms of understanding God.
1: It is. It is. And it sets you up for the, for, the, for the fact that you can trust God. He loves you. You have a relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, the, then you grow, right? You don't stay there. You, you grow from that. And right, so, right.
0: So that's the next, I guess that's a, a good setup for the next stage. Explain yeah. to us what it means to be trained in, in the work of the ministry.
1: Yeah, so if the second stage illumination is kind of that little child stage, then then ministry training really is that children's stage of of spiritual growth, and man, uh, it's it's where you know you you see Christ uh, certainly with his disciples. Matthew chapter four, he calls them, but then he proves his deity out to them, mm. uh, and then between Matthew four and Matthew ten, they they know that man, this is God. He's he's God in the flesh. He's all powerful. He's got power over creation. He's got power uh, over over the devils, over evil spirits. Uh, but then there there comes Matthew ten, this kind of opportunity to start doing what Christ was doing, per- participating, training with Him in ministry. And so, for me personally, you know, getting saved, being baptized, but then discipleship, uh, the ministry of discipleship, and then uh, we called it D two back at mm-hmm. uh, Decatur Baptist years ago. But but man, whatever you call it. It's just getting in the Word of God, learning uh, key doctrines, learning how to have a right walk with Christ, uh, and then getting the biblical knowledge that you need uh, to be to be prepared to do the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, man, again, cookie cutter for me: saved, baptized, discipled, and then right into uh, D two. And so it right. was like, man, here's here's what you need. Uh, to equip you to actually do the ministry that the local church is going to do.
0: Right. And I think you know, one of the things that's really important about this to consider is that this is usually the point at which most churches kind of throw their hands in the air and they don't know what to do. And it's like the only thing left to do is is just kind of hope that the illumination stage, Will continue on throughout their life that they'll have these, you know, camp experience highs, these warm, fuzzy feelings during a worship set, right? And that their faith will remain that that won't go grow, grow tired. Um, the hope is that this person won't walk away from the faith despite the fact that we're not we're not actually training them and we're not putting them on a path of growth. And so, I think that this stage is really important, and it's often the, p- the part that people miss out on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not. Um, I think our our churches and our fellowship. Um, not, not pridefully at all. But I think we we understand, like, man, the the ministry of discipleship and ministry equipping uh, is so biblical and so important and so necessary. And so, if you ever have someone that came from another church and connects and gets in, involved in your church, uh, man, it's not uncommon to hear the phrase, "Man, no other church does this. No right. other, no other church." Disciples like this. Mm-hmm. No other church has a process uh, to train people for ministry like this. You guys are weird, <laughs> you know?
0: yeah. So, yeah,
1: And we are weird. Maybe we are, but
0: we're weird. It's
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's necessary because without the training, we're not going to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Right. Uh, and, and and so if if you don't have the training, you may do ministry. You may fall into error. You may have immature leaders. Uh, carnal leaders, you're doing ministry in the flesh. Uh, it takes it takes the training biblically to get us prepared and engaged mm-hmm. in those opportunities. So,
0: mm-hmm. why why is the doctrinal aspect of this stage so important? Be- because you know when we when we are talking about discipleship and and fa- the foundations level training. W- in terms of our approach, doctrine kind of sits at the center, despite the fact that there are really very practical, life-sharing, um, mentorship-oriented aspects of that process. But doctrine is really, really important, and we take time to teach that. Why is that so important?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's it's the pillar of your church in the sense that man, you you can't have a multiplicity of, of gospels being preached in your church. You can't have um, you know just differing views of things like eternal security or biblical authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those things uh, have to be submitted uh, scripturally in a church. And so, um, yeah, to me, it's the foundation and the pillars, uh, foundations Christ, but the pillars of the church really would be the doctrine. And it, in order to do the work of the ministry biblically and correctly, those things have to be established. And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not reserved for, you know, the guy that's going to be the seminary grad. It's, I think I think Pastor Jeff Bartell years ago framed his process of training instead of calling it like D two, which is what we called it for years. He called mm-hmm. it ministry tools and training. Right. And Jeff's a great guy, man. But he's you know he's so smarty simple. But he's like, man, this is the tools and the training you need to do ministry. And yeah, and it's based on a biblical authority. And so uh, doctrine's got to be. That's why God gave us the Word of God. All scripture is mm-hmm. given by inspiration of God is profitable for, first, doctrine.
0: Mm-hmm. So we,
1: we, can't be, we can't be ignorant of the doctrine. No,
0: no. And it, and it puts us in a position where we can invest life into other people. Because without, without the doctrine, then there's nothing really to hand off to anybody else. No. Now, also with this stage, we're introduced kind of to the bumps and bruises of ministry. If it's ministry training, um, we recognize that both any form of training but also just any form of ministry is going to produce some challenges and and so, sometimes the the high and the excitement and the celebration that comes with the illumination is challenged a little bit because suddenly things are, are more real and the the honeymoon part is as beautiful as disi- the discipleship process can be the honeymoon part is kind of phasing out and you're ha- recognizing that this work belongs to me. It's not always easy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say both in the learning and the application. So, because it is work uh, to study the Word of God, to learn the Word of God. Uh, when we go through things like D two or MTT or, or LFBI, uh, man, it is a it's this you know it's not always uh, sunshine and roses. Man, it takes labor mm-hmm. to labor in the Word, uh, and then in a local church context when you are given the responsibility and opportunity to exercise the word of God in ministry, whether it's discipling somebody else or leading a small group, uh, you begin to realize, well, this looks different on this side of things. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. people are people; we're all still sinners. Uh, you have a, I know know—I know for me personally, uh, I had a new appreciation for the guy that discipled me after I began discipling other people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. Uh, I love that guy, and and every time I see him now, I, I make sure to let him know, hey brother, thank you for your investment in me, uh, because I know it had to be hard, <laughs> you know. But right. But man, you appreciate it. It's hard. It, it's like you said, the 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 warm fuzzies kind of wear off, and now it's starting to get into the grind of ministry. Uh, but it's real, and the spiritual yeah. warfare ramps up. the The weakness of your flesh uh, begins to come to the forefront of, man, I'm really a despicable dude, and, and outside mm. of Christ, there's nothing good about me, uh, all that becomes a sobering reality for us. Yeah.
0: And I think um, with that, with those experiences and with faithfulness at, at this level, at this point of ministry training where— people are giving you tastes and experiences with handling the work of the ministry maybe maybe it's you've been discipled and now you're beginning to disciple that's kind of the transition into this next phase that's right uh, so maybe you can explain this this aspect a little bit to us the leadership
1: yeah. yeah so stage four would be leadership development and that's where you know again guys are are faithful with the opportunities they're given scripturally when you look at uh even Christ and those disciples man you see some guys that kind of Amongst those twelve, there were some guys that began to kind of rise to the top. Peter, James, John—they uh, they understood, uh, man, Christ's sufficiency in their life. They began to work together as a team. Um, they had to learn some lessons, even in leadership. That leadership's not just a position, but it's still servant leadership. Christ had to model mm-hmm. that for them. You know, John chapter thirteen, uh, the master still washed feet, uh, and so there's a. There's a a spiritual maturity that that's continuing to happen. You you begin to get a handle on God's word. Uh, you know, First John tells us that that young men spiritually have overcome the wicked one, so they've overcome false doctrine. They're they're becoming spiritually strong. You know, the word of God abides in them. Uh, mm-hmm. But but again, there's also challenges at that point. That man. It's not a positional leadership, it's still servant leadership like, right. like Christ modeled for us.
0: So in order for this to take place though, what you're talking about, I mean, Christ did have to hand off the work. Uh, so there there are leaders in our churches, leaders in ministry uh, that also have to do the hard work yeah. of handing off responsibility. Right. And that's kind of a counter to what you're saying is that it's not just a responsibility of a person to, to grow up and to mature into leadership, Leaders have to make opportunity for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's critical. And uh, again, personally, personal testimony. Um, man, there were there were guys that um, gave me the opportunity uh, to lead a small group in our college ministry. Gave me the opportunity to come alongside them and co-lead a department. Um, you know, gave me the opportunity to preach. And so uh, they knew from this process that without the opportunity, I couldn't grow. Past what already was, it, it mm-hmm. took it, it took the opportunity, uh, and them entrusting and, and overseeing me uh, to give God an opportunity in my life to grow into more leadership, uh, but again under their supervision and accountability uh, and protection. I would say that, and it was a it was a sobering thing because man, here's my pastor, here's here's my college leader. Given me opportunity to teach and to preach and to lead small group and take what I'm learning and and now apply it in the local church context. That's a sobering, humble opportunity. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and I think it was necessary.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and they have to let you both. They have to protect you, right? But they also have to let you experience those bumps and bruises, like we talked about earlier. That you know there has to. They have to be moments of failure because there's there's coaching there. And so I think part of that is. If you're gonna, if you're at this stage of your spiritual growth, it's really, really important for you to be open to constructive and critical feedback from your leadership.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's 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 staying humble. Uh, it's it's realizing that as much of an opportunity as you've been given, you've not arrived yet. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. you're still you're still learning, you're still growing, um, and and to receive instruction from your spiritual mentors, your pastors your peers, um, and be humble. You know, uh, I remember some of us really felt like God was calling us to preach and to teach God's word. And so uh, our pastor would meet with us on Saturday mornings at like 6 AM. And that was a great opportunity to develop in communicating God's word. And so we got to stand up and preach seven minute sermons, Mm. And our pastor said, if you can't say anything in seven minutes, you can't say anything in 47 minutes.
0: <laughs> <And> yeah, so, <laughs> that's such a truth. That's a good truth. <laughs> There's
1: a lot of wisdom. And at the end oh, of yeah. that, at the end of that, you had to receive the criticism of how you butchered the scriptures or or, yeah. or, or miss you know, misdivided the scriptures. And so you had to be humble to receive that. Yeah. And even leading small group, leading a group of people. Uh, man, here's what I'm teaching. Here's how I'm following up. Hey, here's what you need to do. You need to to do it a little different. Try this and this. And it's just being humble and learning from from those that have gone before you and have grown through Mm -hmm. these
0: stages. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute.
2: I'm Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio, and a recent graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. LFBI was a great chance for me to grow, to learn, to continue my education without having to take time away from my family or my own ministry. In fact, being able to take classes at my own pace ultimately allowed me to be more effective in my ministry. I can't tell you how invaluable it is for LFBI to be structured in such a way that you're encouraged to implement what you learn in ministry and not just sit on the information for yourself. It was a great experience to hear from a variety of instructors uh, from other ministries and parts of the country in tandem with serving my local church. Through LFBI, I received a library of resources that I'll be able to reference for the rest of my life. It was curated by the experience and the countless hours of study put in by the instructors. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all those that invested in and equipped me for the work of the Lord. In addition to the information and resources, I was able to develop relationships with so many of the students and the instructors that have impacted my life in the way that I view ministry. There's a lot of info to retain, and there's still a lot that I don't know, but perhaps the greatest takeaway from LFBI is the confidence to be able to compare Scripture with Scripture and rightly divide the Word of Truth so that I can be certain of what God says for myself. This is an approach to the Bible that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So if anyone's interested in learning what God's Word has to say, I'd encourage you to sign up for the Living Faith Bible Institute.
0: To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. What you pointed out is really important too because, again, you had to have a pastor that was aware of where you were at in your stage uh, and was willing to meet you there in order to not only— give you opportunity to grow, but also to endear you to the leadership. Because yep. a lot of times, uh, Pastor Sam Miles, the uh, president of the school, he often refers to this stage as like the teenage years, you're entering that that kind of middle school timeframe yep. in your spiritual growth. And oftentimes what happens for a middle schooler is that they begin to think that they know everything. Yeah. Like they've, they've got better ideas than mom and dad do. And right. And when they get those ideas rattling around in their brain and they can't bounce them off of the people that they love or actually respect, um, they become points of bitterness and frustration. Yeah. And people, this is, this is a stage where a lot of people either leave the church, yeah. uh, split churches, right. um, cause division in, in small ways. They gossip against the people that have invested in them. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a precarious stage of development.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And I can remember all those thoughts that you just mentioned because I had them rattling around in my head. I think every, oh, yeah. every one of us do. Um, but then, again, just being humble enough to realize, okay, uh, I actually had this conversation this morning with, with one of our guys. The minute you think you've got it figured out, you, you need to take note that you don't. That's the red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. in ministry, it, you get the responsibility. You have the opportunity. Uh, and God's using you. God begins using you. Uh, yeah it it's it's critical to stay humble and and teachable i think I think that's the other thing is is just to stay teachable uh, mm-hmm. be, because with a little bit of experience that maybe you do have man uh it's certainly not enough god God's got to prove you even more uh through that yeah,
0: yeah. And a lot of guys get stuck here in their development because they're not willing to be humble. So God just like, okay, man, well, yep. let's hang out here and let's see if you can't figure this out, and yep. let's go. Be, let's go back to stage one. That's and right. See if stage one actually still applies.
1: That's right. Let's give you an opportunity to repent and see see what mm-hmm. you do with it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Okay, next stage. What, what else do we got?
1: All right. So stage five after leadership development is uh, reevaluation and separation. So mm-hmm. really, this is this is kind of the make or break level, uh, for most Christians, if they, if they get discipled and they're, they're in ministry and they begin to grow as a leader, uh, Christ is going to bring them to a testing point to a, to a make or break kind of decision. Uh, and, and I think it, I think it's just a trial of faith that we see in scripture. John chapter six is a great example of that, you know? mm-hmm. uh, ministry was great until John 6 and, and and Christ gave the famous discourse, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood and and it was a hard saying and even his disciples were like, man, what does this mean? Uh and he explains it obviously in the verses following that and and man, these are spiritual words. Uh but man, there from that moment, there were disciples that made the decision that's too hard, that's too much and and they checked out. They they mm-hmm. they stopped following Christ. And so as we look at the spiritual development in the Bible we we see that Christ brings us to this point of true consecration, true separation um, and, and it will be hard. it'll be difficult and and we'll we'll have to come to terms with what we really believe and, and we'll have to even in the biblical example of John six, we have to come to terms with who's going to be our authority you know and, and and ultimately those guys decided, hey Christ is not our authority anymore and they they quit following right. him. So,
0: yeah. So this is the this is the crossroads moment. You know, this is is the this is the part where you say, "Is everything that I was taught is it valid?" And if it is valid, then um, then I'm going to continue moving forward. But but this is also kind of a chicken exit moment too, where you can say, "Hey, this is more than I anticipated." Now, the beautiful thing about Christ is that He lets us come back to the crossroads. That's right. He'll you know if we're not ready at this moment, it's I think about John Mark. Right as being at that moment where right. where the mission got difficult. It was more than he anticipated. Yep. He had to go back to the basics and get retrained, but there came a moment where he was useful. And Paul That's was right. like, hey, call the man up. You yeah, know, he's I need him. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I can remember in, in my own life, man, I, I think again, just I think all of us can hopefully go back in our own heart and see our progression through each of these, man, our church, uh, our church was kind of hitting some, some bumpy spots in the road. And, and I began to struggle personally with, with leadership and with things. And, you know, it, it, it really was an issue of authority in my life personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, thinking maybe I'm a little bigger than what I am. Uh, God used some of those things to just bring me to a point of, you know what, uh, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to surrender even to hard sayings. Um, uh, and i'm going to trust the lord through this circumstance and through these difficulties and uh and i just really have to come to terms with do i believe what this book says
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and that was a that was a tough spot in my life personally but but god was faithful and uh and i'm thankful that he was gracious and letting me grow through that
0: uh, yeah, in my own life for sure and i think you know we this topic comes up from time to time on the show but but it's so prevalent right now but this is where the deconstructionists get it wrong mm-hmm. right like maybe they've had these experiences of growth and development in the church just enough to make them somewhat arrogant you know and and self-aware right they're they're self-aware they they know a little bit about the word they know a little bit about the objectives of the church and they get to this place and they can't move forward they stay stuck here and they're reevaluating and they're reevaluating and they're reevaluating to the yeah. point where they actually recede back in terms of their faith and and they they get out completely and it's very hard to watch.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a point where I've seen just friends, uh, co-laborers in ministry, uh, and that breaks your heart, especially when it's people personal to you uh, Mm -hmm. grow to a point and then, man, the sayings get hard, the circumstances get difficult. It seems like (laughs) everything's running off the rails, but... Man, God's still in control, and uh, yeah. and it's just it's just again going through that trial of faith. First Peter chapter one verse seven talks about the trial of your faith is is more precious than gold that that perisheth. You know, mm. and uh, and God's able to lead us through that. And and on the other side of that, man, there's more maturity and more opportunity and uh, more Christ likeness as we endure yeah. that.
0: Yeah. So go ahead and walk us through the next stage then, because once you've decided, look, despite how hard this is, despite how, you know, aware I am of the cost uh, of leadership, I I want more. Yeah. Christ yeah. give me more. Um, yeah, absolutely. What yeah, does so that the, look like?
1: So the sixth stage would be leadership participation. And uh, again, this would kind of be your elder, uh, maybe elder stage if you're relating it back to, to maturity. Um, mm-hmm. But man, this is this is where... Uh, man, our church leadership c- should come from it. Should it should be uh, where biblical principles guide our decisions, and uh, it's an opportunity for for pastors, for deacons, for leaders in the church. Uh, it, it's the working out, I think, of the decisions that were made in level five or stage five. Mm. That man, you've you've trusted Christ. You've, you've endured a trial of your faith. Uh, you can be trusted with church ministry. Pastoral leadership, things like that, um, and and again, the, man, this is this is where you appreciate the body of Christ. Uh, you you want those opportunities to continue serving and growing, um, but there's still challenges associated with that. There's mm-hmm. there's people. There's there's competing uh, or comparing of ministries. And if you're carnal, man, this ministry looks different. Mine's better. Mine's bigger. Mine's smaller. Mine's worse. Uh, and even with churches, you know that can happen, um, and so it's it's a, a, again a key point as you participate in lit- ministry. Biblical principles, biblical authority guides that, but we're called to love the brethren no matter what in this in this stage. And so, um, and, and again, it, it, it's an opportunity now as a leader to create opportunities for up and coming leaders when when you're mm-hmm. when you're in the op- or in the position of leadership having a biblical mindset that I can't do all of this myself, I shouldn't do all this myself, uh, mm-hmm. I need I need to bring people with me. I need to give them yeah. the opportunities that I had uh, that helped me grow and mature.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, you've got to recognize now you're in a position to offer what was afforded to you. That's right. And, and so you've got to be humble enough to not— uh, this is the tricky part of this stage, because once you get here, you can start to love the limelight. Yeah, you right. can start to love the attention. You can uh, people start following you, and they're yeah. looking to you for for input into their lives. They want your advice. They want your and so you can get addicted to that. You can get a taste for it, and then because of that, you don't want to share the burden. You don't right. want to share the load, and you're not willing to let other people come up and take your responsibilities. Because yeah. the, the problem is that. You are identifying more as a leader in the church than as a follower of Jesus Christ. You've lost yeah. sight.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. Your identity is in your position or your mm-hmm. your your job or your man. If you're a pastor and you're on staff, you wrap it up in your identity and that instead of instead of a disciple of Christ, still a disciple of Christ. And so, uh, yeah, it it man, I, I'm so thankful. And again, you appreciate just like I said, I appreciated the guy that discipled me in D1, I appreciate the guys that were into college ministry that gave me opportunities. And I appreciate my pastor and allowing me to preach, spending time on Saturday mornings, um, mm. letting me, you know, muddy up the waters, so to speak, and, and seven-minute sermons. And so on this side of it, I realize God used every one of those key things to, to grow me, uh, and now I have the privilege of man, by God's mm-hmm. grace, being a pastor of a local church, um, I need to make sure uh, those opportunities are afforded our people mm-hmm. every those guys need opportunities to teach and to preach and to disciple and to lead ministry and so um it's in, it's important for their growth, just like it is it was important for my growth,
0: yeah. For sure. And so, maybe just tell us a little bit about like the eldership in your church and the, and the ways in which you've been able to give away ministry. Just give us some examples.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, one of the guys that I had the privilege of discipling early on, his name's Cody. He's our uh, worship pastor now.
0: Awesome uh, guy, by the way. He, he I just is. Shout out to Cody. He's a yeah, great guy. He is yeah. the
1: real deal, man. And uh, But early on, uh, we had the privilege of spending a lot of time in discipleship personally with each other. He kind of got the the whole package, man. He got the D1 and the D2, kind of all at once because we just had the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, God worked out our schedule, but he was a guy that I could tell, man. This guy's proficient in God's Word. Uh, he needs to be teaching, you know. And mm-hmm. so we had a young adult uh, Bible study. I was teaching that. Uh, we were a small church when we when we got here ten years ago, and so. Uh, But there came a point where I was like, man, I don't need to be teaching this. This guy is proficient, and he's got good stuff. Let's give him the opportunity. And uh, he began teaching uh, that young adult Bible study, and man, it just took off, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it helped him exercise out in his life everything that we've been talking about. He had been through D1. He'd been through D2. But now he had the opportunity to work that out in the local church context. And so— Man, he ministered the Word of God weekly. He had to feel the pressure of praying and preparing and studying and working a full-time job and, and raising a family, And but man, God used every bit of that. And and again, Ben uh, I gave him opportunities to preach on Sunday morning, and he's a fantastic preacher. And, mm-hmm. and, God, and God began to work in his heart to surrender to the ministry as a, as a pastor, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was something that early on, I remember he'll kill me if he, if, if he listens to this, but, but I remember early on, uh, man, he's gifted musician, gifted singer. Uh, but I remember him saying, man, I don't ever want to be a pastor, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, man, God, I said that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's dangerous. <laughs>
0: oh, well, I guess so.
1: <laughs> it's dangerous words. And man, God, God's just crafted him like that. He's mm-hmm. built him like that. And, uh, Years later, he came to surrender to that and say, you know what? I know God's called me to this, and I want to I continue growing, and I want to be ordained, and I, I desire this because God desires this for my life. And so he's mm-hmm. one example of, of many examples in our church where just the opportunities, just the, the process of discipleship, ministry training, married with the opportunity in a local church context— Uh, God's able to continue their growth uh, and then call them to even greater things in your local Mm -hmm. church. And so I'm I'm very thankful for that, dude.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example of of how this works out. Um, So tell us about stage seven.
1: Okay, stage seven is uh, consecration and world vision. And so uh, this would be kind of that aged level of spiritual maturity. It's the point where you are addicted to the ministry, and Mm. uh, the truth is you— You can't do anything else. And uh, personally, I remember a conversation when God was working in my life through these things. I remember having a conversation back at Decatur, uh, back when Joe was the student pastor. Joe McKegg was the student Mm -hmm. pastor. And I just began to share my heart with him. And it was like, man, I I really feel called into the ministry. I I feel like God's using me this way. Uh, This is how I see God's grace working out in my life what do I do? (laughs) You know, uh, I want to be a Mm -hmm. missionary. I want to be a a, a ministry leader. I mean, what do I do? And and what, what's the advice that you would give me? And in classic Joe McKig fashion, uh, words of wisdom, he said, if you can do anything else, go do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's all you got. (laughs) But, but the more I thought about that, I was like, man, that's the right answer. Yeah. And for me, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything else. It was, it was absolutely clear for me, the rest of my life is going to be serving Christ in, in the church context, local church ministry context. God wants me to be a missionary. That's awesome. But my life's focus is not physical therapy. It's not my mm-hmm. career. It's not gaining wealth. Man, the focus of my life is serving Christ, whatever that looks yeah. like. From this yeah. point forward
0: and i think it's important too for women to see themselves in this in these spiritual stages too because obviously we're both pastors and we could talk about it from our perspective but yeah there, there comes a point where you know even for females they, they get to this point and while they might not become a pastor uh, they have to strongly consider what does it look like to be a part of a church planting work or to be yeah. a missionary or to devote my life uh, and, and my energy, my free time to helping lead some function of ministry within the, the body of Christ. These same, these same concepts apply. Like th- it's a no turning back point. It's that's like right. you've, yeah. burned, you've burned you've know any bridges back to the mainland. It's <laughs> like right. you're, yeah. you're out there and it's game time. And that's a big deal. It's a really big deal.
1: Yeah, there's no, there's like Peter, there's there's no going back to the nets. I mean, no. at some point, you got to just make the decision, cut the nets up, forsake the ship, mm-hmm. and go. You know, Yes And uh, and, th- and this becomes the focus of your life for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. man, it's the greatest decision you can make outside of salvation. Man, just commit your life to to what God's called you to do. Grow uh, and spend the rest of your life uh, pursuing the work of the ministry and and evangelism and discipleship and the local church context. And man, that's what's going to matter. Mm, that's, gonna, sure. that's what's going to matter in eternity.
0: Yes. Yeah. And and ultimately what you're saying and, and what we want to express is that, that when we follow this growth pattern for our life that's been set f- forward, what we're doing is we are choosing uh, to, and we're ensuring that we will have a judgment seat that's, yeah. that's worthwhile. There's fraudulent versions of this. There's a faux, like we talked about at the beginning, there's ways of circumventing and making a way and, and creating the illusion of, of spiritual maturity. But at the end of the day, we will be judged based on whether or not we let God have his perfect work and, and way with our lives, whether we were refined the way that he suggests we, we should be.
1: Yeah, that judgment seat's gotta be a clear uh, realization for every one of us mm-hmm. as a believer in Christ.
0: Yeah. So when we're talking about, uh, about community and we're talking about your church, tell, give us how you've seen in the 10 years of ministry that you've, you've had there where you know from the point of evangelism to, to today, right? The growth of your church and the, yeah. the generations of disciples that are being made. How are you seeing God work out this, this idea of the seven stages in your church body?
1: Yeah, man. It, for for me as a pastor, uh, personally, uh, without this, without this understanding, it would be very difficult to pastor uh, a local church. It would be very difficult to pastor people uh, because you don't know biblically what you're aiming at. You don't know God's plan for growth, and so for us now, uh, for for myself and for for Pastor Cody, understanding this process gives us. A biblical trajectory everything that we do in ministry points us down this road of ministry maturity and leadership development um, and so again man the, the the fact that God has been gracious allowed us to ordain a pastor uh, mm-hmm. we're we're praying we're praying right now for God's wisdom and eventually by God's grace planning a church you know we don't know what that looks like but we know that healthy things reproduce, and we want to follow the biblical model of not just reproduction and discipleship, but we want to be a part of a church plant. We want to reproduce uh, the the life of Christ in this church and other places. Uh, our prayer is we want to send missionaries out, and, and so in 10 years, and with a biblical understanding of this process, I mean, we have, we're hitting kind of that, Third generation of discipleship at this point, mm. um, which makes me nervous because you know we want to hit the fourth generation, <laughs> we want to make sure it continues. Um, mm-hmm. We don't want it to flake out. Uh, but man, it, it's really encouraging to me the people that we have here. Man, they're responsive uh, to the Word of God. They're submitting themselves to discipleship. They're they're learning. They're evangelistic on their workplace. They're they're carrying the ministry outside these four walls. Uh, we have guys that go out on Sunday afternoons with just cold call evangelism, and, and some of our parks, some of our mm. public gathering places, and, and they're partnering together. And um, so the evangelism side's there, the discipleship side's there. Our our church body is edifying and growing, and uh, and we're just know we know that if we'll just continue to be faithful to the Lord, the Lord will be faithful to us, and it, we're trusting God. Uh, to reproduce this ministry in some form or fashion, whether it's a local church plant, whether it's missionaries that are sent out, um, and we have guys that are praying for that, you know, mm. that are that have finished our process, uh, now they're enrolled in LFBI, they're 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 taking the next step uh, as far as as far as their training and their uh, their their knowledge of the scriptures, but they're still faithfully ministering in the context of the local church, mm, yeah. and so we're trusting God through that process that man. We're gonna we're gonna see reproduction in our church yeah.
0: man praise the lord praise the yeah. lord for community fellowship baptist church yeah and uh you're you're just getting to know you and and um the influence you've had on the fellowship has just been wonderful and it's really an honor you know for lfbi to come alongside your work as a local church which is the objective right like we yeah. we play a small role in the seven stages ultimately these are the people that God gave you, and, and they're, it's your responsibility to assist them in this work. But but for LFBI to play a small role in the training and uh, the the teaching of God's Word, it means a lot to us, and uh, we're thankful for it.
1: Yeah. Well, we're thankful for you guys, man, and your ministry. And, uh, man, personally, I'm thankful for you, and I'm certainly thankful for LFBI as well. Man, it's been a blessing to have, to have our guys— uh, Take the opportunity that's available to them to con- to continue to grow through their own personal process, of spiritual growth, and have you guys be a part. Man, it's a it's a wonderful partnership, and uh, and I'm very thankful for it.
0: Well, Jay, um, we did it. We did it. I mean, we got through all seven <laughs> stages, and you did miracle. an amazing job. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much for clarifying and painting up with a broad stroke. Uh, yeah, painting a picture for us of what it means to uh, to follow a, a biblical pattern of spiritual development. But uh, we love you, we're praying for your church, and we're thankful for the time that you spent with us today, Jay.
1: Hey, Amen, well, I appreciate the time too, man, it was great.
0: And we wanna thank you guys as well, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. As always, we're so grateful, we can't believe that each week more and more people are, are tuning in and paying attention uh, to the show. I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is give you access to some of our professors and, and those pastors in the fellowship who uh, play a really critical role and have wonderful testimonies to share with you. And we do want it to be faith building and we want it to help uh, you to, to gain a vision for what God's doing in your life. If you're interested in, enroll, in enrolling in LFBI, if you want uh, to be uh, learning God's word as a way of, as a catalyst for these seven stages to be true in your life, Visit lfbi.org, check out our course load, check out our program of study, and ask yourself uh, how can LFBI help me to grow in God's word so that I can be a better minister in my local church? We desire that for you, and that's the whole point of the school. We love you, and we can't wait to spend more time with you next Monday for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, Please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.